Hello and welcome to the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast. I'm Cathy Love. I started life as an OT, had a, an amazing, crazy private practice which I sold. And what I do now is help allied health business owners create a business that serves them, the time, the money, the joy that they absolutely deserve. And this is where my idea for the podcast started. What I want to do is to capture how hard allied health business owners in Australia work to achieve their dreams, to support their teams, to create amazing outcomes for their clients. So sit back, beverage of joys, drive safely, walk carefully, however you're listening in, and I hope you absolutely enjoy Welcome, listeners. You are joining pretty much a cup of coffee chat uh, with me and Dr. Linda Wilson, who is a stress management specialist and also a practice director. But most of all, she's a very awesome woman and our paths crossed quite by accident at a conference literally a month ago, literally five weeks ago. And we hadn't seen each other for years and didn't really matter, did it? Didn't matter. It's like... uh... Passionate people, they always have something to talk about, Kathy. And you and I, I think one hour is never going to be enough, right? <laughs> we'll give it we'll give it our best shot. We'll give, give it, it our best, best shot. shot. There, there might be a two and a and a three installments here. So tell us a bit about you. I I just want you to share with people your background and you know, what's got you to today? And then we'll talk about what you're doing today. Sure. Okay. So um, my background, my training, the reason that you can use the, or I can use the title doctor, apart from it being um, impressive when you walk into the bank, um, (laughs) is uh, because I did a degree in traditional Chinese medicine. So um, for people who are not familiar with that, I guess the best way to think about it is that it's a form of medicine that deals with what's going on in the mind as well as what is going on in the body. And those two things are never separated within traditional Chinese medicine. So mind-body medicine is something that I have been passionate about from the get-go. And um, it has informed, and that philosophy of that connection has informed everything I do. So um, in private practice, uh, I used to practice acupuncture and herbal medicine. I then transitioned into utilising a whole lot of other uh, mindset tools and techniques that help us to uh, connect our mind with our body and vice versa. Um, And uh, I've since progressed to working with businesses and uh, and groups groups of people to really teach them how to implement tools and techniques that leave them empowered in relation to their own mental and emotional uh, health and well-being. And that's really my sort of um, focus area and has always been my focus area because I think people are fascinating and I think that um, the more that I can share what I what I know, I guess, um, the more I feel like I'm fulfilling my mission on the planet, which is to spread a bit of love and also spread a little bit of um, information around how we tick as human beings. So um, I'm a director of a allied healthcare practice in southeastern suburbs of Melbourne. Um, I'm trying now to do as little of that as I possibly can because my passion is really this group work because of the the dynamic that it creates and the change it creates for people. Yeah, love it. 
Love it. I'm a huge fan of TCM, as I'm sure you know, and it made me remember that, in fact, I'm in a in a pause with my TCM practice and supports. And um, even while I'm pausing from the service of my wonderful practitioner team, I still get lovely, I still get lovely text messages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just in between times. So the care doesn't stop, does it? The care doesn't stop. And and I think our self-care should never stop either. Mm. And, um, you know, one of the things that I've been focusing on a lot lately, you know that saying, Kathy, um, healer or physician, heal thyself. I think that's mm-hmm. that was the original quote. Yeah. So a lot of the work that I do is really in support of my own search for health and happiness. And, um, you know, I also know that my happiness is very dependent on my continual learning for example, um, satiating curiosity. Curiosity is a big theme in the work that I do, not only with myself but also with my clients because I think that mental stimulation and that um, that kind of absorption of ideas and absorption of the energy of ideas is so positive for us in terms of, uh, you know, the directions, the choices and the decisions that we make in everyday life. And I think that um, kind of starts to step to where our conversation went where, when we sat in the sun the other the other week. We sort of quietly said to each other was, well, how's the last two be- years been for you? And, well, how have they been for you? And it was sort of no holding back from that mm-hmm. point as, as well because it's kind of hard to be curious in a pandemic. <laughs> it's kind of hard to kind of hold on to your values and it's really hard to kind of stay attached to the things that light you up and get you out of bed in the morning, in the morning mm-hmm. um, as well. What have your observations been about how humans have traversed the last couple of years? Yeah, well, it's been very interesting both observing myself but also being responsible for um, observing my team and trying to support my team, as many practice owners will be aware of. Um, It was an extremely challenging time for every individual on the planet, but I think um, I've got special love for practice owners and the work that they do and uh, for small business owners if it comes to that and the, and the, the, Mm. you know, monumental um, contribution they make. Um, And Observing what happened to myself and to uh, other people has been one of the uh, greatest periods of observation that I've ever had. And I think anyone who is interested in the human psyche and how we function under pressure would say the same thing. Um, And uh, certainly being responsible for the emotional well-being of my team um, became very difficult at times. As I sort of struggled with the prolonged lockdowns that we had here in in Melbourne, I think I got up to 6.2 and that's when I kind of hit the hit the you know yeah. wall myself the one that um, went on for three and a half months or four yeah, months or whatever yeah. that and one yeah the one the one where people said we're never going to get out of this ridiculous mm. cycle mm. um and prior to that I'd managed pretty well actually and certainly for the few initial uh ones um I did really well I actually mm. felt like I got a lot of mental space. You know, the family was spending a lot of time together. It was really beautiful. We're really, really reconnected in a lot of really positive ways. Um, but then, yeah, just the unknown. And, you know, change is something that human beings manage for a short period of time really, really mm. well. 
But when there is the constant unknown and the the constant sort of threat hanging over your head as a business owner, am I open tomorrow? Am I not? Um, Can I provide care to our clients tomorrow or not? And who the heck knows in two days' time what is going on? I think that that extreme fatigue of managing that degree of change um, was something that was, uh, you know, scary, incredible, humbling. I'd use all of those words into mm-hmm. into um, talking about how people manage themselves during that period. And certainly in the work that I do with stress management and uh, mental health, um, yeah, we certainly have not reached the end of the dramatic impact of those no. experiences um, for ourselves or for our much wider community, especially um, our young people. Yeah. I um, concur with those observations and I would add in the word relentless and I would also add in the observation that who knew our states and territories were so divided? It was, um, it beggars belief. Yeah. It beggars belief and and divided um, along political lines, I think, and also divided along um educational lines as well dare I say Mm. Kathy Mm. so uh you know Mm. how much the people who were making these relevant decisions actually have any kind of background in health or not um I think that that played a a, quite a quite a large role in some of the decisions that were made as well what was missing was the pro-health conversation and the pro-health curriculum and the self-care yeah, and the actual tools and the education around self-care. Um, during that time, I did a lot of webinars. You know, we're on Zoom today. You've got to love that platform and every other platform that allowed people to stay connected because, you know, on the whole, human beings require connection to be healthy and happy. Mm. But, man, oh, man, did I get sick of it along with everybody else, I'm, I'm sure. Um, but it did provide a um, a tool for us to stay connected and the number of requests that I got to actually do webinars around self-care and how can we maintain healthy neurochemistry during this time? What can we do to ensure that when we come out of this, whenever that at that stage mm. nobody knew, Whenever we come out of this, how are we going to kind of get there as intact as we possibly can be? And um, it was a very busy time for me from from that perspective just um, because Mm. I think business owners recognised very, very quickly that if they wanted to keep their teams um, and if they wanted their people to be healthy and able to come back to work at some stage, they really had to look at ways to keep people engaged and um, optimistic and happy and healthy functioning yeah just functioning in in um in their everyday life so it was a yeah a huge learning curve never want to go through it again um i wouldn't wish it on anyone and mm. uh, i'm pleased to see that much more common sense prevails at this point in time yeah that's right uh picking up on something about the we're seeing the the ongoing or the rolling out impact of the pandemic. We'll just keep this zoomed into the allied health professional industry. Um, 
What are you seeing and hearing essentially 12 months post Hmm. the heavy-duty stuff? Well, what um, I'm noticing, obviously, you know, I have um, daily interaction with an allied healthcare practice and um, what I'm noticing is the uh, lack of availability of um, practitioners across the board. Um, I'm also seeing that uh, the expectations of practitioners, like a lot of people came out of that, that you know, incredible period with a very different take on what their life mm. should look like. What their and the life, role of work in it. In their life. Yeah. And for many, I think it was a very um, hard-fought uh, realisation um, for many people whose identity was centred around their work and their work alone, I think it was quite, um, it was a very disruptive period of time. But for many of the people that um, we deal with, what I'm what I'm seeing, and, and I do salute them, is that they are making um, far, they're putting far more weight on the quality of the life that they're living. Um, and work is one aspect of that. Mm-hmm. Work is one part of that. And, you know, many people are making all kinds of sacrifices, financial sacrifices um, uh, and other sorts of sacrifices to be able to maintain that balance. Yeah. Um, I think that it was a very long overdue change that needed Mm. to happen but in the short term I think for practice owners and practice people who are building their practices um, it's going to be a very challenging environment because of course we want to provide care to the biggest numbers of people that we possibly can but if you don't have your beautiful practitioners in there actually doing that work um, it does definitely create challenges for uh, small businesses across the board. Yeah It sets up a scenario that many listeners will be thinking about, and that is a workforce that is potentially wanting to go to a nine-day fortnight or a four-day week within a a limited workforce for the work available Um, and sitting in, I guess, in the the bigger context of the NDIS, and it's kind of the NDIS is rumbling a bit at the moment. We don't know what that is going to to look like um, with its new uh, kind of governance uh, governance captains in place as well. So, uh, yeah, a few, few big pieces at play. I think there's still an enormous amount of uncertainty out there in, you know, job land and practice land. And um, I don't think we're going to see that settle for quite some time. Yeah. I think we can all agree, Cathy, that it's never going to be like it was. And I, I, hope per- not. I, I personally <laughs> think that's a good thing. I agree yeah. with you. I hope not as well. I celebrate this change, um, but it is, uh, I know as a uh, director, it is very challenging to want to do the things that we used to do and not mm. having the resources to do it. I think it's also been a real shock to um, the various industries, the various professional bodies, the, the universities, for example, who um, perhaps just thought that um, they didn't really need to be actively recruiting uh, new students to go into certain professions um, and we all got a little bit kind of uh, blasé mm. about the fact that there would always be this beautiful, you know, evolution of our young people moving into physiotherapy or podiatry or OT or 
uh, TCM or chiropractic or any of those fields. And, you know, what we're seeing at the moment is um, fewer and fewer graduates within many of those professions. And, you know, that's not going to change in the short term. That's a mm. that's a 10-year project. So um, and, and what are we doing to attract young people into those professions is, you know, it's an ongoing question and not one that's hmm, I'm curious about that so are there fewer numbers going into the program and or high rates of attrition I think it's a combination of both yeah ouch ouch so it it creates this sort of um, imbalance of course between Mm. what our community requires and what we're actually able to provide as much as we might want to um, provide services you know our ability to do so is um you know dependent on actually having practitioners yep. able yep. to deliver those services simple as that and once again there's a lag effect on that that this might be a a now thing what are we in 2022 just we just made it and so that may play out in two and three and four years time well I'm thinking that even if you're looking at encouraging young people and creating an environment where um, our young people want to go into those professions you're still looking at four five six years before mm. they're out in practice yeah yeah so it really is a 10-year kind of a, a lag um it's a it's a really good word to use to um, be able to provide those uh, new enthusiastic professionals out there into Mm. um, small allied healthcare practices. Mm. Very interesting. I'm going to um, think on that one. Think on that one. Um, Let's change gears ever so slightly. We're going to come back to this. Tell us a little bit about your business right now. Mm. Maybe even what your week looks like because you've got a got some yeah. variety in there uh, oh I've got too much variety in oh there. okay sorry um <laughs> as uh no no it's it's actually something that I'm conscientiously working on to yeah. um create less variety because the things that I really want to be focusing on um have taken traditionally quite a backseat to the day-to-day function of you know um caring for my team and, and running the practice and I have become very good at um uh empowering my team to do all of the sort of functional administrative tasks that need to be done. Um, it is a process. We all know that. <laughs> it is totally a Never, process. It's a forever, it's a forever yeah. task systems. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm one of those really lucky people who have just got a brilliant administrative uh, team. And so I feel you know, totally blessed and I love every single one of them because of the work that they do that frees me up to do the work Mm. that I'm really passionate about. So I've got a couple of you know, interesting projects on the mo- on at the moment that are in very early development stages. And one of them is called the Wellness Agenda. And um, that is really focused on small to medium businesses being able to bring wellness programs into their work environment, be that with their remote people or with their um, in-house uh, people. And I think What I have noticed all my years as a practitioner is that often we are told to do certain things, like we're told that exercise is good for us, we're told that, you know, good nutrition is good for us, but what we don't have is a a real grounding and understanding in what the impact of those things is 
and why they're actually good for us. We kind of have these nebulous ideas about what, well, exercise makes you feel good and, you know, it helps you to get strong and, and all of that kind of stuff. But for me, Kathy, it all comes back to this explanation around neurochemistry and how we can empower ourselves through these everyday activities that are certainly not sexy to understand how our neurochemistry impacts on our mental and physical health. Um, And, you know, there's a big gap between being Mm. told what we should do and our real deep and lived experience of why it makes a difference. And that gap is education. And that's where I'm I'm really uh, Mm. passionate and focused on. And that is done um, in terms of the wellness agenda. That's done through us um, having information available to businesses which um, means that they can either build out their own um, wellness uh, agenda within their practice or they can have someone like me um, to come in and actually Mm. help them to do that process. And I think the other thing is that um, what's missing in many wellness programs is the actual tools. Yeah. So, um, you know, We've all heard about mindfulness and meditation. I think they're fabulous, but for many people, they simply do not work. And I think they've they've kind of become a little bit like, oh, yes, mindfulness and meditation. They absolutely have their role. I, do, I practice them myself, um, but they're, they're also not the best tools for me. So what else can we offer to people? And there mm. is a smorgasbord of amazing things out there that people can um, choose to use that might fit them better in terms of keeping themselves fit, healthy, strong, and mentally well. Mm, Yeah. I think uh, a lot of the education is quite flimsy and flaky because it comes through mainstream media and it comes through the screen or a light or something on socials and you try it for a while and you don't get the hang of it. It doesn't work for you. So therefore you sort of think, oh, well, I'm not good at that either. And therefore you potentially start to check out of exploring anything else on the banquet table. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, you know, this has also been, um, I believe, um, really commercialized as well. Um, and is that a good thing? I don't know. I, yeah. I, that's it's a tricky one because you know you could argue that any introduction of this information may make a change for one person and that's a powerful thing um so credit where credit's due on the other hand i think we disempower people when we give them an uneducated uninformed uh, yeah uninformed yeah um choice oh beg your pardon i'm not expressing that very well we don't give them all of the information, that means when they try these tools, they actually have success because it's a bit thin on the ground in terms of information, as you say. Mm -hmm. Whereas when we actually provide, you know, uh, links to the research or links to lived experience or we as um, practitioners or presenters are able to share our stories about the positive outcomes, I think that does a lot more to give people um I guess that little bit of extra motivation to try it for a bit longer or, you know, tweak it to suit them a little bit more. And all of that, particularly motivation, comes back to our neurochemistry. And I'm really um, 
um, just habits and our neurochemistry are two areas. Like I have a geek's love of uh, talking about <laughs> neurochemistry and um, habits is something I've done quite a bit of training on. So mm. it all comes back to what's going on in our brain and how yeah. we can influence that in really positive yeah. ways. And education is a huge key part yeah. of that. Running a business isn't just about setting up shop and becoming complacent. It's about showing up for ourselves and our clients with a commitment to continuous improvement. We have to be honest with ourselves about where we're at and where we're going. That means identifying strengths and weaknesses so we can improve. After all, if we're remaining stagnant, how can we scale and build the business and life of our dreams? That's where the NACAR Consulting Allied Health Biz Quiz comes in. We're not talking horoscopes and pulse hope here. This questionnaire is the perfect starting point for you to begin identifying your strengths, needs, and blind spots as an allied health business owner. The process is simple. Answer the 14 questions and we'll send you a personalized report that includes actionable steps for you to start taking your business to the next level. Ready to take your business into your own hands? Take the NACAR Consulting Allied Health Biz Quiz today. It gets me thinking about the difference being about between being told what to do because it's good for me and then being coached to understand what it really means and why it's really important for me. And um, I'm thinking back to a, a medical consult that I had with a specialist and he'd done a surgery and I was post-op or whatever. And he said, well, you got to do this and this and this. And I just looked at him and said, why? And he said, because you're paying me a lot of money and I know more about it than you. Wow. How do you think, how do you think that went? <laughs> that did not end well. Yeah. yeah. Knowing you. That is what that I he do. said. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Is he, well, he said, are, are you the whatever? I said, I, uh, anyway. There's so many examples ah. of that, though, isn't there? I mean, <laughs> through time, if we look at the ways that um, things have changed, like I'm sure you, you'd you be aware now, you know, you, you've utilised acupuncture and, and possibly mm. traditional Chinese herbs as well. That link between our gut health and our oh. mental health, Yay. the research that is out there at the moment in relation to that is massively expanding mm. and there are some um incredible um oh, incredible things in fact even today i'm not sure whether you've heard of andrew huberman the huberman lab lab no i have not okay i highly recommend it to your listeners um it's uh, andrew huberman is a neuroscientist and he is sort of like i have a bit of a, a crush on andrew because he does really well what i would love to do and that is kind of translating the research into usable um, information because, mm. you know, neuroscience is thick with its own, you know, its own yep. dialogue and its own language and its own expressions. Yep. And a lot of that is beyond us normal human beings. And so he translates that into practical ways to create change. So, you know, he's, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan. Mm. One of the um, things that I was listening today was by uh, a guy who was a guest on Andrew's show, which was Dr. Chris Palmer, and his new book, um, which is called Brain Energy, is all about the ways that um, diet can change mental health and, in some cases, serious mental health conditions. So that for me is like, whoa, you know, um, 
It's we kind of knew. We kind of knew. Well, we but it, many, until many it's proven. Knew, that's right. Until it's ticked off on uh, someone's sort of um, scale of what is evidence and what is not, yeah. what is evidence based and what is not. Um, we, and then it hovers around the edges. It does. The left of field practitioners and yes. the early adopters, and yes. then it gets commercialized, and then it's mainstreamed and. Yes. And often it's some of us are then looking for the next up and coming piece. That's right. Yeah. And because I think often with mainstreaming, we can lose the essence of a lot of, um, you know, because it suddenly becomes about uh, financial um, sort of goals rather than perhaps um, where it came from. That's the system that we live in. We should be aware of that. Mm. But I, for one, am incredibly excited about the ways that we're seeing the research come out in relation to our gut health and what impact that has on our um, our mental health. Just as an example, because at the moment I feel like I'm really lacking motivation in some of the things that I need to get done every day. And so I'm really looking into, in a bit of depth, um, dopamine. And dopamine, <laughs> you know, so dopamine is known as our reward, is the mm. reward uh, chemical, uh, neurochemical. However, it's also the motivation one, and often this gets missed. Um I think that, you know, Andrew actually talks about this in one of his other uh, podcasts. And what he talks about is the fact that without dopamine, we literally won't get out of bed. We, we literally do not have that spark, that energy, that inclination to get out of bed and do anything in our day. So um, then, of course, the question is, well, how do we stimulate yeah. dopamine in in healthy ways that uh, may or may not include medication. But for, for someone like me who who can sometimes struggle with like, oh, okay, what have, I've got so many things I've got to do today, I've got so many responsibilities on my list and do I really want to get out of bed? It's, it's great to have that sense of, okay, well, if I just get up and do this one thing, that's going to enable me to do the next thing that I know really brings me into focus and gets me excited. And all the way back to the beginning of our conversation, curiosity and education are mm. always those things that will do that for me, which is where, yep. it's where podcasts are so powerful. So yep. fabulous yep. to be on yours. <laughs> so good to have you here as well. It, uh, you know, one of the one of the phrases that used to, and it, it's still around, is is biohacking, mm-hmm. um, and that's where I got a lot of really interesting uh stuff read and listened to you know 10 15 years ago you know um and now that stuff is somewhat mainstreaming but it is about what how do i hack my diet to support cognitive clarity how do i hack my diet for energy how do i hack my diet to for sleep how do yeah. i hack my diet for all sorts of things and so hack is a really interesting word and it's a word i use in my thinking about okay, so I'm in this state, how do I hack my system to get to that state? Yeah, it's a big one. And I I think, you know, we're really blessed with um, some of the tools that we have and some of the research that Mm. is being done around how to do these things. I mean, you know, Western medicine finally catches up with what we know, Eastern philosophies or, um, you know, ancient forms of medicine have philosophically understood and taught for thousands of years. 
And in this very, very exciting kind of part of our evolution as human beings, Western science is finally catching up and actually able to measure these things. And how exciting is that? Like mm, you and absolutely. I may have known it for or dabbled for, with it, dabbled with it for for decades, but we can now say, um, yeah, you know what? It's not woo woo anymore. It can't be kind of you know sidelined as being on the fringes. It can't be. I can't be seen as some kind of mad wannabe professor. Um, I can actually point people to research and and say to them, look. We can see very clearly that doing these things and not only that, encourage them to have a lived experience of that change. Um, one of the hacks that you didn't mention was, uh, you know, particularly for women, how do you hack yourself through some of these horrendous menopausal changes that, that yeah. some people experience? Um, and there's multiple ways that you can yep, do that as absolutely. well. So, yeah. You know, very exciting yeah. times. Yeah. And um, I'm very fortunate to be incredibly well supported by a range of people in in my village um and there's breath you know people who help me with breath work and diet mm. and energy management and all sorts of things and what I loved about that about my crew across the last couple of years was they were able to um kind of bring in ideas and curiosity about how to boost immunity yeah. As well. Like that message did not mainstream. It just so didn't. Um, yep. and so th- it really, it brought in that curiosity of, well, we'll run this for these weeks and these couple of months. And then we're looking for this and okay, well, we need to change up that and something else. And you can, yeah, there's just so much there that with the right guidance and education, as you say, you can actually bring in all sorts of bio neurochemical supports. Yeah, absolutely. To support yourself at a cellular level. I, yeah. I call them my cellular coaches. Absolutely, yep. absolutely. And it really is down to that expression of epigenetics, that expression of our totally. DNA, the expression of each and yep. every cell. And but you, know, you can hack all of that as well. That's right. That's the thing. You can <laughs> hack all of it. I, and I think what what's really exciting about it is that, you know, so many of these hacks, as we call them, come back to those basics, quality of sleep, quality of nutrition, um uh hydration not all hydration. water is created equal not all water is created equal i'm in adelaide this week and i'm having to buy water like i can't even show you all the water down the bench cuz i can't drink it it does make a massive difference to my gut too i have to say there's no doubt about it you know exercise stress management um all of those things drugs and alcohol um but you know i go even further kathy i talk about well, well what are you downloading into your head like what are you exposing yourself to how are you exactly guard your mind you know who are you hanging out with are those people really contributing to you in terms of um, positively influencing how you feel about your life you know there's so many ways that we can do simple things that in in com com what's the word combination Mm. um create massive and profound change that's wonderful yeah yeah Tell us a little please and thank you about how you bring wellness and self-care to your team. Yes. So um, we really look at, especially, you know, our experience of COVID was having the conversations, mm. really talking to people. You know, people are still very uncomfortable about being vulnerable, I guess, um, and talking about where they're really at. 
And I can completely understand that. Um, mm. You know, for me, it's almost second nature because that's what I do. But um, for people who are not used to um, using conversation, using um, revealing how they're feeling yep. as a therapeutic tool, this is a very foreign thing for them to do. Mm. So for many of my team, it was really just a matter of trying to create that one-on-one connection and just asking the question, how are you going? You know, and being aware of their family structure and the individual, um, you know, things that they would be facing. You know, we have some members of our team who had young kids at home and so they were doing the whole homeschooling mm. and trying to work and that kind of thing. Being really supportive, creating lots of room to move um, and having to understand that at that point in time, the business had to take a second step. I mean, sorry, had to take a step back. Mm. Our priority absolutely had to be our team because we wanted to keep our team. We needed to keep our team. Mm. And the way to do that was to think about them as unique individuals with unique needs and what could we as people who, you know, are responsible for them in many ways, Mm. what could we do? So we did all kinds of, we had an incredible bookkeeper at that time who really supported all of our staff to make any claims that they needed to make in relation to, you know, financial support. Um, We tried to get together as often as we could on Zoom and just have social connection that way. Um, we tried to be super flexible with our rosters as much as we possibly could. Um, none of it was ever enough, can I just say? Mm. None of because we were also um, hands tied during that yeah. period. Did you do your best? We we did <laughs> we did more than our best, yeah. and in some ways, I think it was to our own detriment because you know what it's like. Um, you, you, you're in that lifeboat trying to pull people out of the water and you get so many people in the boat that you have to fall out the other side. And I think that's what happened to me at 6.2, as we said, I just mm. hit the wall. That, that degree mm. of needing to support other people, um, because I deeply care about my team, um, meant that I wasn't doing all those good things for myself. Yeah. And that was a very salient lesson. Yeah. I observed. Thank you for sharing sharing that. I observed very, very similar stories um, probably um, March and April this year, actually, just seemed to have been a piece where, well, it's over. Is it over? It's not over. It's kind of over. No one knows if it's over. Do we still wear a mask? <laughs> and after yeah. pretty much 24 months of supporting everybody else, yeah, there were tears. There were mm-hmm. tears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no doubt that we are going to be looking back on this time um, in 10 years' time and just saying, wow. Mm. I think people are very aware of many of the impacts that have occurred, but I think it's only going to be over time and in reflection. Um, I kept on saying to my kids, you are going to have such a great story to tell your grandkids, you know, trying to give them something to hold on to as a Mm. potential positive for what they were going through of being stuck in the house, um, not seeing any of their friends, not being able to socialise, blah, blah, blah. We all know what Mm. what everybody went through. So, yeah, I think um, looking back, Let's just hope it's one of those real learning experiences Lips that we do. 
that we do um, mm. quite differently yeah. and better next time yeah. around. Yeah. yeah. So how does wellness look and feel in your team right now? Well, it's different for every single person because mm. what we all need is quite unique. It comes in under all of those categories. We've already talked about hydration, exercise, mm. sleep, et cetera, et cetera. But also as a um, someone who cares about my team, I'm also really focused on what else lights them up. The vast majority of my team only work part-time with us, so they have a whole other life out there that is really mm. important to them in terms of, um, you know, connection to others, their social life, the, the other passions that they're involved in. And where I can, I try to really ask them about that in terms of, um, mm. you know, oh, how's this going? One of our beautiful team members uh, does catering as as her other kind of passion and mm. small business and she's amazing and that really lights her up so when she's at work more often than not we talk about how passionate she is about that because you know as human beings we tend to silo ourselves um, I'm at work yeah. I have a work persona I'm at home I have a home persona breaking down those barriers I think is really vital yeah. for keeping people well at work work is only one aspect of what we do it's not who we are it's what we do and uh, wellness is very much about understanding the whole person and what lights them up and makes them happy yeah I um I think about that in terms of uh, how do we manage the whole the whole human in front of me? Um, and this whole oh, this wretched concept drives me nuts about work life balance. Totally, I know. Um, you can't see Linda's face as I said that. It just <laughs> it, it is so unhelpful this work life balance because it's all life and work it's is just life. one of the cogs. Yep, absolutely. And I think that um, in forgetting that we're really dishonouring the person mm. and we're dishonouring the contribution that they can make into the future in our place of work because every skill that we acquire and and learn is a positive contribution to every area of our life even if it's just because it makes us happy. Yep. So we need yeah. to be really um, sponsoring and, and fostering and encouraging our teams um, and ourselves to um, always be, you know, looking at stuff that keeps us vital and interested and uh, dynamic in our life, in, mm -hmm. in every area of our life. Yep. You uh, raise a great reminder there in ourselves in that, um, you know, we'll harvest a kidney for our team, but what commitment do we have to our own well-being? And yep. that essentially the flip side of that is leading by example. Yes. And I think that um, in many ways the that phrase that I mentioned earlier, physician heal thyself, is in the background of my thinking all the time and has been forever because I think anyone who goes to see a practitioner and the practitioner says, I never, I've never had any problems in this area, you need to run at a thousand miles an hour. Uh, because I think that we all need to admit that we have hard days. Um, mm -hmm. I absolutely, uh, you know, have days where I just think, what, you know, what the heck, something's just happened and you think, oh, I thought I dealt with that, I thought that had been, you know, uh, tick the box on that mm. one. I do I do love my tick the box and uh, sort of, you know, move on to the next thing. But that's not life, is it? Mm. Uh, you know, life is not set. And just on a little side tangent, I have this bee in my bonnet about the term mindset because <laughs> um, 
I, I really feel it does us a disservice. It is not naturally what occurs or keeps us well in our life. You can set your mind if you have lots of healthy stuff in place and it's really working for you. But naturally, everything about us down to that cellular level is in flow. So I like to use the term mind flow because flow is a representation of what happens in nature, what happens in this on a cellular level in every instance in our body. And I think that it also gives us permission to understand that nothing is stagnant. If we have this concept that we are in flow, um, then there's a lot less of, of those things that I just described about my personality, which is tick the box and, you know, move on. Um, we, un- we have to understand that it's, it's all happening um, in a continuum um, and is constant. Uh, which is one of the reasons that change is difficult for human beings because change is constant, but it is a natural part of living our lives. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I am going to have some good thinking time on mindset because as you were, I was listening, like I promise I was listening, but my imagination went to mindset and forget and that it's... (laughs) Yeah. It's the end of the day, let's not lie, um, mindset and forget. And that means it's somewhat locked down and kind of put away. And yeah. And maybe uh, there, maybe there is there, it really does need some redefinition around, around that. If we have habits, for example, which is sort of like another fascination for me, if we have habits that are really positive for us, behaviors and habits that mm. are really positive for us and that support us to be healthy, set and forget. Go for it. Go your hardest. But for the vast majority of us, you know, we we need to be in flow around what's going to work for us at any given moment because, you know, today the car might stall. Well, if I'm set in a behaviour that is the only way that I can be happy but I can't do it because the car hasn't started today, you know, we're in danger. Most of the day is going to be exactly, and yeah. who, haven't we all experienced that? Right, mm. you're in a good mood. You know, you the neighbour gives you a, a dirty look, and for the rest of the day, you you're struggling yep. with it. Um, so this concept that we need to recognise and consciously monitor our own mm. sense of self, um, I think that that's an important part of this concept of flow and recognising that as human beings, we are in a constant state of change yeah. and flow. Yeah. Hmm. Love it, love it. All righty. The, the microphone is yours for the last few few minutes, thinking about allied health business owners that are listening in. What would you like them to be thinking about or taking away from this rock and roll conversation that we've had? Yeah. Wow. You've you've thrown me in the deep end there because there's just so much I could say. But what I'm what I would really love for um business owners, allied healthcare in particular, is to really ensure that as much love as they're giving their teams, they're also giving to Mm. themselves. Mm. Um, As much support as they are um, trying to give to their teams, they need to have those people supporting them as well. 
So have your, what did you call it before, Kathy? My cellular coaches. Your cellular coaches. (laughs) Have your cellular coaches. You know, none of us are in isolation and we all need support. Get those things on board for yourself, whether that be, you know, yoga in the park every three days or uh, walking around the block every night or listening to, you know, educational podcasts as a way to keep your brain stimulated and keep you enthused enthusiastic Mm. Um, and you know find people who can actually also really relate to your experience I had a beautiful friend very similar to me very similar philosophy and beliefs and when we whinged to each other it wasn't just a whinge it was a deep sharing of where we were both at so find those people that you can do that but who can also offer you solutions and mm. strategies or ways yeah. of, of getting around it. So support people, absolutely. Love it. Thank you. We will totally get you back next year. Oh, it's I'd been love way it. too long. <laughs> it has like you and I across paths probably, I was trying to work it out actually, maybe eight years ago when we Gosh. actually had that chat on radio yeah. today. Like maybe Could have even been. More. Maybe even Could more. have been. Mm. Let's do it again. Very cool. Indeed. Thank you so much. (laughs) My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. For the show notes and other resources, our webinar replays, they're all available over on naker.com.au. And if you're loving what you're listening to, please subscribe. We don't want you to miss out on a single thing. And if you want others to get the same benefit that you've had from listening into these episodes, please share this episode and any of the others forward to any of your other allied health business colleagues. And we are totally here for you. Don't forget for a moment that you can jump on in and book that power call and uh, we can see how we can help you get the best of business done. Looking forward to seeing you there.